Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 14th of September 2014, entitled, Paul, the Man of Faith. And the Bible reading is taken from Acts chapter 9, verses 1 to 23. Here's Brother Steve Elliott. Received sight forthwith, and arose and was baptised. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at, Jerusalem, at Damascus. And straight away he preached Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. But all that heard him were amazed and said, Is not this he that destroyed them which called on this name in Jerusalem and came hither for that intent, that he might bring them bound unto the chief priests? But Saul increased them more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. And after that, many days were fulfilled. The Jews took counsel to kill him. We just have a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for your precious word this morning. And Lord, dear Lord, we just pray that you'll speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> Okay, we're going to be looking this morning at Paul, the man of faith. And um, I don't know if you've heard that expression, circular reasoning. Have you heard of that expression before? Yeah, circular reasoning. Well, it basically means, <coughs> excuse me, returning or ending in itself. And many people who are not Christians have often said to Christians that your faith is all about circular reasoning. You know, if you can't explain something about your faith, you often say, I just believe it by faith. And therefore, they say that you have circular reasoning because it's just going back to your faith. You know, faith is not a bad thing to have for a Christian. In fact, the Bible says in Hebrews 11 verse 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. Why? For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. It's not a bad thing to put your faith in something that you can't see. In fact, the Bible says that we walk by faith and not by sight. For a non-Christian, it's very difficult. We were thinking this morning in the Sunday school about having to tell maybe your parents that you're going off to the mission field somewhere. And um, you mention to them where you're going, and it's a dangerous place, and the, the one who's not a Christian um, will say, what are you going there for? That land's full of war. You don't want to go over there. Can't you go to somewhere nice, somewhere where it's peaceful? And you say often people don't realise because they don't have faith. But you see, the Christian who's trusting in, in God is believing in him, trusting in him. And I want us this morning to see how Paul's faith, it marked him out as a Christian and how it can help us as well in our Christian lives. And even if we're not Christians, we're going to see here the importance of faith. And we're going to look at three things. The first one is we, in this chapter, we see faith on the day of salvation, on the day of Paul's conversion. You know that to confess Christ as the Lord of your life, it takes faith. 
You know, the first time that we see faith in the life of Paul is on the day of his salvation, when he confesses Christ as his Lord. If we just turn to chapter 9, and if we just read down to verse 5 and verse 6, and I believe that we can see here the conversion of Saul. I've written at the side of the page in my Bible, Paul's conversion, because I believe this is where we see it. If you just notice in verse 5, remember that he's on the road to Damascus, and um, he's got these letters, and he's going to bring these disciples from Damascus back to Jerusalem, these believers, and he meets the Lord Jesus Christ on the way. And, Jesus, uh, and Paul says to Jesus, it says in verse 5, Paul says, and he said, who art thou? And then notice he says, Lord? And there's a question mark. You see, I don't believe that Paul, at this time, this moment, really understood who it was who was speaking. Probably knew it was Jesus. Um, but he says, Lord? And then he says, and the Lord said, I am Jesus. And the Lord Jesus Christ now is revealing himself to Paul. He's showing him who he is. And he says, I, the Lord, sorry, and the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. In verse 6, and he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord. So I believe here that Paul, for the first time, he recognized who Jesus truly was. He was the Lord. You know, for an, an Orthodox Jew, this took faith. It's not easy for an Orthodox Jew to believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is God. You know, I was speaking with um, a brother at the beginning of the service about people who are Jehovah's Witnesses and trying to prove, really, that Jesus Christ is the Lord. Without faith, it's impossible. The Bible has revealed who Jesus is. And Paul, on his way to Damascus here, sees Jesus for who he is, and he puts his faith in him. You know, the first step to becoming a Christian is to put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. Not just your Saviour to forgive you for all of your sins, but to be the Lord of your life. He wants to be first in your life so that you are no longer on the throne. He wants to be there as the Lord. Um, Romans 10 and verse 9, Paul, he wrote this a little bit later. He says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, not just Jesus, the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You cannot be saved and not believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord and that you put him Lord of your life, and that you believe that he died on the cross and he rose again for you. This is important. But I want us to notice here that the Apostle Paul, he made Jesus Christ the Lord of his life. Let's just turn to Galatians chapter 2. Keep your fingers in Acts. We're just turning back there. But Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. And again, this is Paul speaking um, about his conversion, speaking about the day on which he became a Christian and what happened to him, the great change. And he says in verse 20, he says, I am 
crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. You see, the old man has been crucified with Christ, but the new man in Christ lives. That is good news this morning. He says, nevertheless, I live. Do you know that that's missing out of the modern Bibles? That's been taken out. Very unfortunate. Because we live in Jesus Christ, the new man. If any man be in Christ, the Bible says that he is a new creature. All things are past. Behold, all things have become new. He says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet, not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of who? Of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. This is the new life that we experience when we become Christians, when Jesus Christ is the Lord of our lives. Not the old man, not the old person. It's the new man in Christ that lives. You know, Jesus promised to give us life and to give it us more abundantly. And that's what he wants us to experience as Christians. You know that that's one of the main reasons why people don't become Christians. It is. It's because they don't want to give up their life. They don't want to give up being on the throne of their lives, being in control. It's a natural feeling, but it's not a feeling of faith. You know, Jesus Christ wants to be on the throne of our hearts and our lives. And I know, even within my family, that there are people that I have told about many times about how Jesus wants to be the Lord of their lives and their Savior and give them a wonderful hope of eternity. But I know that they don't want to give up their own life. It's not an easy thing. You know, the pastor often says to become a Christian, it's simple, but it's not easy. And I remember before I became a Christian that I had thoughts going in, in my mind when I heard the truth, when I heard that my name was not written in the book of life and I wasn't a Christian. And I knew that my future, I knew where I was heading, to hell. But I knew I had to make a decision. But it wasn't easy. I knew that it would mean that I would have to tell my family. I knew I'd have to tell my friends. I knew I'd have to tell my mates who were riding motorbikes. And what would happen if I said I'd become a Christian? Are they going to desert, desert me? Are they going to see me as some religious fanatic? Probably would do. But what am I going to do? What's more important? Where are the priorities? And I thank God. I thank God that he gave me the opportunity to choose him, to choose life, and to let him be the Lord of my life. And I thank God that he saved me 24 years ago, and I've never looked back, I've never regretted it. Wonderful. You know, it's also one of the reasons why Christians, us as Christians, live fruitless lives as well. You know... God wants us to bear fruit in our Christian lives. 
no matter how young or how old we are in the faith. But one of the reasons that we don't bear fruit is because we don't allow Jesus Christ to be the Lord of our lives. We want to be in control. We want to be in control of where we're going, what we're doing, who we're doing it with. You know, the Bible says very clearly, acknowledge me in all thy ways and I shall direct thy paths. He wants to be in control. Will you let him this morning? Will you let him? I wonder how often have we allowed Jesus to be the saviour of our lives, but not the Lord. Yes, he saved us. You know, the pastor often speaks about is it a fire, fire insurance, that we've been saved from hell, which we have. But what about serving him? What about letting him be the Lord of our lives from now on? If we've not let him, why don't we start today? Today. Let's just have a look at verse 1 and 2 of chapter 9. And here we see a picture of a religious man without faith. Um, Saul, as he was called before his conversion. And it says, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, these were Christians, went unto the high priest in Jerusalem and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. So the Apostle Paul here, he's got a zeal, but it's not according to knowledge. And he's zealous, this man. He's a religious man. He would have the religious clothes. He would go to the religious places. He would do religious things. Everybody would know that this was Paul, Saul, the, the religious man, the rabbi. And he's now wanting to go to Damascus with letters to bring the Christians back from these places and bring them back to Jerusalem so that they can be persecuted. This was the zeal that the Apostle Paul had. He was zealous. But we see here a picture of a religious man without faith. And you know, religious men and women without faith can do many things. And they can harm God's people. Um, years ago when we were witnessing in, in Jerusalem, of all places, in fact, Jerusalem is one of the, the places that you, you need to be careful of most of all because that's where the Orthodox Jews are. And I can tell you that they are very zealous for their faith and they really believe that if you're trying to um, tell them that Jesus Christ is their saviour and he is the Lord, that they will get very upset about it. And uh, one day, I remember that we, we were coming into um near to where the Western Wall was. And, um, you know, you need to pray about this if you, if you ever go in there and you're never wanting to uh, give leaflets out and things. But I had a book in my hand. It was a testimony of um, a Jewish evangelist who I was living with at the time. And um, I gave it to an Orthodox Jew, not far away from the temple, uh, from, the, um, from the, the Western Wall, the Wailing Wall, which is where the temple was on the other side before it was destroyed. And... As soon as this religious man got hold of the book, he shouted, missionaries, missionaries! And he shouted it as loud as he could. And I tell you, within a few seconds, there were black hats, Orthodox, Orthodox Jews coming running up. And I tell you, I, I fear for my life. 
And I have been stoned before when, I'm, when I've been uh, witnessing out there. But uh, this time we were, uh, we were taken by the police into the police station, which is just right across from where the Western Wall is. And we were put in the police station for our own safety. And this was all because of religious Jews. They think that, that we're coming with some different religion, some different way, some different God. It's not. Jesus Christ is the Messiah. But you see, they're zealous without knowledge. They don't understand. But here we have a group of people, religious people, without faith. You know what's going on in the Middle East at the moment with this group called ISIS. Here we have a group of people who hold up the Quran. You know, they have, um, they have bandanas on their, on their foreheads with Quran messages on them, verses. And they think that they're doing God a service by killing Christians, by driving them out of villages, burning their villages and driving them out up to mountains to starve them. And this is happening around the world today. They're religious people, but they're without a faith, a true faith in the true God, the God of Israel, Jesus Christ. They're zealous. What did it mean here uh, for Paul to confess Jesus as Lord? Well, I've noted three things here. If we just turn and look at verse 4, we see the first thing that it meant hearing the convicting voice of Jesus. Okay? This is what, this is what needs to happen if we're going to confess Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. We need to hear the voice of Jesus. Right. Let's just have a look in verse 4. One or two of you don't seem too sure about that. Verse 4. He says, And he fell to the earth and heard, what's the next word? A voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And we see here that Paul, before he can confess, before he confessed Jesus as his Lord and Savior, that he needed to hear the word of God. You know, the Bible says that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Isn't that how you became a Christian? You may have heard it from a friend, but you heard the gospel message somehow. You heard the truth about Jesus Christ. Jesus spoke to you and he did it through the word of God. I thank God for that day when I picked up that Bible and I read Revelation. Jesus was speaking to me personally, and he showed me, convicted me, that I was persecuting him, that I was living a life of sin, a life that was just away from God. And this is what Paul was doing. Jesus says, why persecutest thou me? And this is what we do when we're not Christians, persecuting God. You know, God has created us for himself, each and every one of us. You may not be a Christian here this morning, but I can tell you on the authority of the word of God that you belong to God. He's created you. The Bible says that you are a heritage. Low children are an heritage unto the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. You have been created by God for a reason. God loves you. He loves you, and he has a purpose for your life. But you know, the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
And our sin is like persecution. It's like an affront to a holy God. I wonder, do you remember hearing the word of God? Do you remember hearing Jesus speak to you, convicting you about your sins and of your need for a saviour and of your need to have Jesus as the Lord of your life? If you haven't, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today. What an opportunity. Not only did it mean hearing the convicting voice of Jesus, but secondly, it meant realising that he was a sinner in the hands of an angry God. Notice what it says in verse 6. It says that he, Paul, trembling and astonished. And we see here that Paul was in a state of trembling, fear, irreverent fear maybe. Maybe he was in a reverent fear because of the persecution that he'd been bringing to God's people. Maybe he had a reverent fear, a trembling of what his life had been up to that stage. That he'd live a life of sin, a life without faith in the true God. And how it is with us. It's the same. We live lives. I was 24 when I became a Christian. Why I wasted all those years, I don't know. But I thank God he saved me when I was a young man, 24 years old. But I'd wasted half of my life. But he let me hear his voice. And he, re- he made me realize that I was a sinner in the hands of an angry God. God hates sin. And he must punish it. And he will punish it. But he desires to save us. He desires our forgiveness. The Bible says that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. How is it with you this morning? Have you heard the voice of Jesus? You've heard the voice this morning, but how are you going to respond? You know that God is angry with sin. He's a holy God. He is. But he's a merciful God. You know, many of us don't have any concepts, really, of what sin is to God. You know, yesterday we were out on the doors and uh, we were speaking with Muslims. And when we asked them what they believed sin was, they didn't really have any idea whatsoever. You know? The Bible says that all have sinned. The Bible says that sin is the transgression of the law of God. It's the breaking of his commandments. If you've broken one, the Bible says... It's like we've broken them all, and we have done. And we need Jesus Christ as a saviour. He's died on the cross for us, according to the scriptures, and he will save us if we only allow him. And thirdly, it meant that he needed to realise that it was only God and Jesus Christ who could take away his sins. Just turn to verse 6 again. And he trembling and astonished, said, Lord. And then he says, what wilt thou have me to do? You know, it's one thing for us to realize that we have sinned, we have broken God's laws, but it's another thing to realize what we need to do right now. Yeah, Lord, you've shown me that I'm a sinner. You've shown me that I have no hope. But what do I need to do now? What is the next step? What wilt thou have me to do? And the Bible makes it very clear what we need to do. 
is we need to confess Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Saviour of our lives. Just turn to uh, 1 John chapter 9, and Peter calls this his sandwich verse, and um, <clears throat> he does well to, uh, to liken this to a sandwich. Um, the Bible says in verse 7, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from how much sin? All sin. If we say that we have no sin... We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And then he says, verse 9, if we confess our sins, what is he faithful to do? He's faithful to forgive us for our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a merciful God. And he will do that for you here this morning. I wonder this morning, have you put your faith in Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Saviour? If you've not, why not today? Why wait another day? Today, today, the Bible says, is the day of salvation. Not only do we see faith on the day of salvation, but secondly, we see faith in the day of proclamation. Just turn to verse 20. Faith in the day of proclamation. We see here, after Saul becomes a Christian, what he does next. And he says, in verse 20, and straight away, doesn't say in a few years later, after he came out of Bible college, or a few years later when he got a bit more mature in the Lord. No, it says, and straight away he, what did he do? He preached Christ, where? In the synagogues, that he is who? The Son of God. Isn't there a healthy sign of faith? to tell other people of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us from day one. You know, many of us who do become Christians were quite zealous at the start, but after a while we start to sort of put our hands behind our necks and put our feet up and think, oh, well, let the younger ones do that. No, the Bible says that straight away he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. And he continued. If you read about the life of Paul, the faith of Paul in the book of Acts. And we need to continue as well. It doesn't stop. We can't retire from the Christian life. And we can't retire from being witnesses and proclaiming God's truth to a lost world. Let's just have a look at two things here. You know, about faith. And proclamation, it takes faith to proclaim Jesus Christ. How could Paul, how could he stand in front of everybody and proclaim Jesus Christ? This man who is an Orthodox Jew, notice in verse 20 where he proclaims Jesus. But many people would have known who Paul was. But we don't see Paul here backing away, do we? You know, Paul now, he, he has a message. Something's happened to him. A change has happened to his life. And he feels that he must tell his own people. He must tell them of who Jesus is and what's happened to his life. 
You know, somebody once asked me a while back, this is years going back, why or how can I preach on the streets? To be honest, I don't really know. But all I know is that I have something inside of me. It's like a, a fire that I have to tell people. Do I get frightened, nervous? Yes, I do. But there's something inside me that just says, you, you've got to go. And it's only natural to be fearful. It's only natural not to, to um, want to shy away from rejection because that's what it's going to mean. But we don't see here that Paul was backing away from being rejected. He was very bold. And he, just didn't, he didn't do it in his own strength. He did it in the strength that God gave to him. And you know, each one of us can be strong and we can be bold. And we can share our testimonies. We don't have to be a Christian for a long, long time to be able to tell other people about what Jesus has done for us. Straight away, you've got a testimony. You've been born again. Tell people how it happened. Tell people of who Jesus is and what he's done for you. I wonder this morning, do we have faith to proclaim to other people? You know, yesterday we had the outreach. And to be honest, from a congregation or a, a membership of over 30 people, it's quite sad to see so, so few people out there. Now, look, I know that sometimes that there are obligations and people are working, people are not well, things happen. That's fine. But when we have a membership of over 30 people and we only have two people, that's an outreach. Where's the faith? We say that we're Christians... We say that we love the Lord and we pray for the lost and we're concerned about the lost, we're concerned about what concerns Jesus. But where's our faith? You know, faith is active. Faith is doing. If you can't make it, please pray for the outreaches. They're not just there just to fill up an agenda. This is not some... Um, what do they say? Before the real thing, before the act, take, before the, the performance takes place. Pardon? It's not a rehearsal. Honestly, this Christian life is not a rehearsal. The Christian life that you have, that you're living right now, is the only one that you're going to get. There's no reincarnation in the Bible. This is it. This is your opportunity to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life today and to proclaim his truth to other people. You're not going to get another chance after you pass from this life. This is the time. This is the day. The Bible says this is the day of salvation. We need to take this truth seriously. We also see that it takes faith to proclaim Jesus in hard places. Can you imagine the faith it must have taken Paul to go into a synagogue and to preach that Jesus Christ is not only the Messiah, but he is the Son of God? Can you imagine that? It took faith. 
But it's the faith of Jesus Christ, the faith that was given to Paul. But Paul was available for him, for God to use. And it's a hard place. And you know, we get into hard places to proclaim Jesus Christ in our lives. You know, one of the hardest places may be the family. People who have known you for the longest. And they think, you? Hang on a minute. I know all about you. I know what you've done in your past. You? You've become a Christian? You believe in, you believe in Jesus? You believe in this book? Yes. Jesus has made me a new person. I'm a new creature in Jesus Christ. The past has gone. And I'm a new man. I'm a new woman. I'm a new child in Jesus Christ. Yes, there are hard places. But believe me, according to the scriptures, that's not an excuse. Paul went into the synagogues and he preached to religious people. There are going to be hard places for us to be a witness. But with faith, we can do it. We can. Where is our faith this morning? The Bible says that if we have faith as a mustard seed, doesn't it? Hmm? We can do great things. You know, one of the hardest things when witnessing is rejection. None of us like it. None of us like to be seen as a fool. Yeah? None of us. But the Bible has not called us to try to be accepted by everybody. No. But I believe that one thing that really got Paul through this time was that he realized where these lost people were going. Remember in Romans chapter 10, it says, How shall they hear without a preacher? How are these people going to ever hear their message? If you and me, if we don't tell them, they're not going to hear it. And I believe that this got Paul and made him bold in witnessing. Do we lack faith this morning to proclaim and to confess Jesus Christ to other people? Well, if we do, let's just turn to the answer that can help us. Let's just turn to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John 5. And this is a promise from God to you and me this morning when we lack faith. The Bible says in verse 13, um, <clears throat> sorry, verse 14, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask, what? What's the next word? Anything according to his will. Is it his will for us to have faith? It is, isn't it? If we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. So when you ask God for faith, the Bible says that he hears you. He hears your prayers. In verse 15, he says, And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. And that's God's promise to you this morning. There's no excuses. We can all exercise faith because he's promised that he will give it to us. Wonderful. Faith in the day of proclamation. Thirdly, and lastly, we'll just look here at verse 23 and verse 24 of Acts 9. And we see here faith in the day of affliction. We've seen faith in the day of salvation, proclamation. 
what we see here in the day of affliction. And um, you know that it was only days after Paul had become a Christian that he was afflicted for his faith. Verse 23 says, And after that many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him. But their laying await was known of Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Um, the Apostle Paul, he was called to afflictions. If you just turn to verse 16, um, these were, were the words of the Lord um, about the Apostle, the, uh, about for, for Paul. And it says, For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Paul was, a, was called to be afflicted. Um, you know, affliction, it's an unavoidable part of obedience to God. Um, the Bible says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And I would imagine that the amount of persecution will often be relative to the amount of godly living that we do. If that verse means anything, it will mean that we will at some point suffer persecution for living godly in Christ Jesus. But it doesn't mean that we give up. Not only that, but affliction is an opportunity to show a strength of character. Just turn to Matthew chapter 5. You know, the Lord Jesus, he, he warned his disciples he was telling them of how it's going to be. You know, he's not said that you're going to have a great, rosy, peaceful time being, being my disciples. But in fact, he says in verse 43 of chapter 5, he says, You have heard that it have been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. How, it's, how easy it is to hate the enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Affliction is an opportunity to show a strength of character. I wonder how do we react when our faith is being opposed? How do we react when people are in our faces because of our faith? How do we react to people? Do we show that strength of character that we've been told here that we can have? That instead of hating our enemy, that we can actually love them and bless them. That's not natural. But in the Spirit, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can do it. This is one of the reasons why a lot of these Muslims are doing these atrocities that they are doing in many of these countries. It's because they don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. They say that they believe in Jesus, but it's a different Jesus. It's not the Jesus of this book. It's not the Jesus who said, love your enemies. Pray for them that persecute you. They don't have faith. But if you're a Christian here this morning, you can have that faith. You can have that strength of character. Affliction, lastly, we're just going to have one last verse looking in James chapter 1. 
it creates patience. I don't know about you, but I'm probably, well, I'm a very impatient person. If you want to know, just ask Angelica a few uh, examples. But <clears throat> God is working upon me. And um, but affliction is one of the things that God will use for our good to create patience. It's something that we all need. James chapter 1 and verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. See, there's an end goal. But let patience have a perfect work. Why? That ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. I wonder this morning, are you going through a trial of faith? Are you maybe asking a question to the Lord, why me? Why am I going through this time? Why am I going through these problems right now? Well, why don't we just turn it around and see that God may be working this for your good? Afflictions, trials, working patience, stretching our faith. That's the only way that faith is going to be tested. It's when it's stretched. And he wants to do that for us. And he wants to create patience in each one of us. Wonderful. Faith in the day of affliction is what God is looking for. The Bible says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. How are we walking this morning? What about if we're not Christians? How about putting our faith this morning in Jesus Christ to be our saviour? Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for your precious word this morning. We thank you for Paul. Although he called himself the chief of sinners, we see here that he was a man of faith. And Lord, Paul is not elevated above all other people. Lord, we can have that same faith. We can have that same boldness. But, Lord, we can't do it without you. And we pray that you'd help each and every one of us. If we're Christians, Lord, to ask you for that faith in those hard times, in those trials that we go through. And, Lord, if we're not a Christian here this morning, just pray, Lord, that we may, as Paul did on that day, confess you as Lord and Saviour. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm.